The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. An Old Testament reading from Psalm 131. A song of ascents of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. The book was called The Missing Peace by Shel Silverstein. And like his more famous book, The Giving Tree, this book, The Missing Peace, frustrated me to no end as a kid. Why? Any of you read The Missing Peace? Because the ending as a kid was so unsatisfying. So in this book, there's this stone-like looking creature that's missing a pie-shaped piece out of it. Starts out, the book starts out, it was a missing piece and it was not happy. So it set off in search of its missing piece. Singing this song, which kind of was a whiny song about, I'm looking for my missing piece. And near the end of the book, as a kid, there's hope. The stone finally finds the perfect fitting piece. It can now roll fast down a hill. It is made complete. It is made whole. You'd think, Shell, that would be the ending, right? <clears throat> but the problem is, the stone can't sing its song anymore about looking for its missing piece because that piece is in the way, that new piece. So the stone decides to spit out the missing piece and keep rolling along and keep singing its song about looking for its missing piece. Even as a young child, I wanted to protest this book. You found what you were looking for and still it wasn't enough for you. You'd rather sing your song about a missing piece than actually have your piece. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm not sure if Shell's purpose in writing this was to frustrate me. I don't think it was. But he definitely did a good job in exposing me. Because friends, I'm the main character. I'm the stone. Are you as well? The one who is never satisfied with what you have. The one who always wants more. The one who, when something good, something perfect comes along, you say, you know what, you're squelching my ability to do what I want to do, so I'm going to spit you out. The one who complains and sings a whiny song about a missing piece when I had everything that could satisfy me. It's us. And the world around us is in search so desperately these days for our missing peace. The peace that will right every wrong. 
the peace that will make us whole again, the peace that will give us hope for the future again. But we Westerners think this is something we can manufacture ourselves. This is a peace we can manufacture with ambition. We can find peace by being anything you want to be. We can find peace with success by making more money than the other people have so you can get more stuff, have more things. We find peace by manufacturing our perfect controlled plan. Have your life mapped out. Get two master's degrees. Get married at 25. Have 2.5 kids. Build a 2.5 bath home. Retire in 2.5 years. But what happens when our ambition just wears us out? What happens when our successes are replaced with big failures? What happens when our perfect plan gets completely derailed or delayed? What happens to us, friends? What happens to me? I'll tell you. I become a big baby. I whine. I fuss. I complain. I bargain. I make deals with my own man-made God version. This vending machine God or Santa Claus God. Oh, if you'd only give me this, then I'll follow you and give my life to you. But as soon as something good comes along, as soon as I get a pay raise or a perfect job or a perfect spouse or a perfect home, you know what? I am going to become the boss baby again. I'm going to crawl away from God and I'm going to say, I'll take it from here. That is until we're worn out again. That is until we fail again. That is until our plans get derailed again. We make much of ourselves And when things go badly, we become a big baby. Friends, this is me. This might be you. And this is indeed the psalmist David, who has learned a lot when he's written Psalm 131. What can this psalmist, who was humbly raised up by God, and who would then fell hard because of his pride, And who now picks up a pen to write his own version titled The Missing Piece. What does he say is the missing piece we're all looking for? Well, it's a piece that nobody wants, but everyone needs. And this is what it is. Humility. The missing piece is humility. So today, in the next few minutes, we're going to walk through Psalm 131 and allow David to teach us all about humility being our missing piece and what happens to us when we begin to live there. There's three verses, so there's three points. First point, question, what is humility? Let's define it. The second point, how is humility experienced? And the third point, what happens to us when humility becomes our missing piece? First, Let's define humility. What is humility? Well, according to this first verse, David is saying humility is defined as an accurate tape measure. Read with me verse one. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me. An accurate tape measure. Notice the first word the psalmist writes is Lord or Yahweh. This is the everlasting name for God. It is the Hebrew word for is. The one who is. David, the writer whose bones right now in 2021 are disintegrating to dust. Begins with you are. 
he begins defining humility by in essence saying, you are and I am not. And he goes on to describe what this means. He says, my heart is not lifted up, meaning I am putting myself below you. He says, my eyes are not raised too high, meaning I'm not believing I'm better than anyone else, including you, Lord. And he says, I don't go after things too great or too marvelous for me, meaning I cannot understand fully the things of God like you can understand them. Humility is what happens when you use an accurate tape measure measuring us against Yahweh, against the Lord. Our height and his. Our width and his. Our lifespan and his. Our understanding and his. We see ourselves in perspective of who God is. That's humility. Pride is what happens when the only measure is ourselves against each other. That's what pride is. Humility is measuring ourselves against him. You see, pride illustrated, if you've read the story of Job, Job has been given an incredible suffering. His kids are killed. His body is ravaged with illness. His wife wants him to curse God. And the tension comes when Job's friends step on the scene, bringing their prideful selves to the picture. His friends try and make sense of what's happening to Job. They raise themselves, their eyes, their explanations above Job. Job, we know best. Job, you are wrong and we are right. And they even go spiritual with their pride in saying, Job, this suffering must be because you've sinned or your family sinned or you've got some unconfessed sin. But in the end of the story, God humbles them all, levels them all and says, were you there when I formed the world? Put your answers away of thinking you understand what happened to Job. You know nothing. I made the world. Quiet your mouths. You don't know. And the missing piece found in humility happens to us when we take out that tape measure with God's word. As he describes in his word who he is and who we are. Friends, we need to start measuring our hearts with Christ's heart. I'm going to ask you some questions about your heart. How well do you love others? If love means sacrificing yourself for the sake of someone else. If love means giving up my and me for you and yours. How well are you? Measure that right now. How are we doing? It's like a millimeter, isn't it? How well does Jesus do? At giving up my and me for you and yours. Well, he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. God loved the world that he gave up his son. The next measure, not just our hearts, but our eyes. What direction do our eyes go? Up to him or down? Do you spend more time looking down on others, critiquing and criticizing others? Or do you look up? To the one who sees you from heaven, warts and all, skeletons in your closet and all, sin and all. Then compare that to Christ's eyes. Which direction do Christ's eyes go? Always up to the Father. 
as he's being executed for a crime he didn't commit. He looks up and what does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Last measure has to do with submission. How often do you let God the Father be the one who's in charge of your life? Submitting yourself to his will and not your own. Saying, I don't understand what's happening here, but I know and trust that you do. How are we doing at that? Let's measure Jesus now, who in facing the worst possible punishment and torture a human could ever know, uttered with blood, sweat, and tears, take this cup from me, but not my will, Father, yours be done. When we measure ourselves and measure Yahweh, this result is humility. What happens after we use this accurate tape measure? We experience humility in verse 2. And humility is experienced in trusting God's pleasure. Look with me at verse 2. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. After measuring ourselves accurately with God, And seeing that Christ is everything we are not. What happens? Humility leads to David's experience of calm, trust, rest, and pleasure. Life and rest and joy and peace. I remember when my kids were babies, my wife and I had this book that was called The Happiest Baby on the Block. And one of the techniques to lead a child to rest and to satisfaction was the shush. I would emulate the sound the best I could of mom's heartbeat in the womb. And they would instantly become putty in my arms. Eyes dropping, yawning, knowing they're okay. This is what David is doing in verse 2. Shushing himself with the heartbeat of God. Reminding himself there has never been a day in his life where God didn't take care of him. Instead of becoming like an unweaned child, which is like a big boss baby. That's how I describe it. Who just cries and fusses and manipulates to get mom to feed him. He's like a neurotic baby. No, he's a weaned child who's now trusting there will be food that's going to come. It does come. Food, care, comfort will come because it has come. A place to worship will come because it has come. When we look back on what the Lord has done, what our Heavenly Father, who can also be described in motherly qualities, has done. What is a mom so good at? A mom is so good at nurturing a child, caring for a child, soothing a child, feeding a child. We settle down. And we have more than David had in terms of evidence of God's motherly care. 
He gave us Jesus to protect us when our enemies close in. He gave us Jesus to speak words of forgiveness to us when we blew it bad. He gave us Jesus so we would never be alone on scary nights. He gave us Jesus as food and drink to remind us you're never going to go hungry again. Humility is not only experience of thinking about ourselves less, it's thinking about his care for us more. He loves those who have humbled themselves so deeply that they trust that every single need will be met in their heavenly father's motherly arms. I'm looking at a mom right now, just calming a child. Not big babies who fuss and scream when we don't get what we want, but little children who trust in their parents' lead and care and love for them. How is humility calming and quieting your soul, anxious one? Has God ever failed in keeping his promises to you? Has the Lord ever abandoned you? Think back on all the ways he served you like a mother sacrificially to love you. Rest on your heavenly parent's chest knowing he's got you. The mysteries right now which don't make sense in your life, he's working for good. The suffering right now which feels too painful, he feels too. The future right now which seems too unknown, he's already written. Trust him. Trust him. He loves to love you. He loves to give you good things. He will feed you and he will love you forever and always. Humility is an accurate tape measure. It's a trust in a parent's pleasure. And finally, when humility becomes our missing piece, we hope in Christ's selfish treasure. Read with me verse 3. O Israel... Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Notice what humility does for David. He's thinking about himself less. He's thinking on God's care more. And then he's encouraging others to do the same. God gave himself selflessly to me. And I now encourage others selflessly to give themselves to him. David is encouraging God's people to hope in the Lord. Hope in this context has to do with trust, rest, confidence. Put your confidence never in what you could do, what you have done, or what you will ever do. Put your confidence in everything he has done. This is the missing piece. A life that is resting and trusting in what Christ has done. Never, ever in what we could do. This is humility. Friends, there's no past sin that you've done that cannot be undone with the blood of Jesus. There's no orphan who lives who cannot be adopted by the blood of Jesus. There's no suffering that you're experiencing which has not been shared by the blood of Jesus. There is no work you ever could do that could outdo the finished work of Jesus. There is no future glory which has not been fully secured by the blood of Jesus. Christ is our perfect tape measure to God. Christ is the Father's pleasure to give to us. And Christ is our selfless treasure who we hope in the rest of our lives. O Israel, O church, hope in the Lord Jesus now. 
humbly declare yourselves right now forgotten. And Christ, the one to be remembered. O Israel, O church, hope in the Lord. Humbly declare your home is not here, but with Christ. The one who considered equality with God not a thing to grab onto, but made himself nothing becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he was raised up to glory so that not at your name, but at his name, every knee will bow and tongue confess that you, humble Christ, are the Lord. Humble yourselves, friends, under the mighty hand of the Lord Jesus. And he and only he can lift you up and be your missing piece. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of your grace and your word and how we see it in David's words. Lord, that our prideful hearts can get the best of us. But you have served to humble us. To put us in our right position, to measure us accurately against you. And in that, we are calm and quieted, knowing that even in our sin and even in our failure and even in our falling short, you have provided for us the food of Jesus to satisfy our weary souls. As we feast on him, Lord, as we hope in him, may we also be a people who extend to the world our hope and say, hope in Jesus. This is the only peace you're going to find. Help us to be a people who declare out loud to the world hope in him. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.